Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Beth Maitland. And this is Joel Bruck. And we're on Brandon's Buzz. We're buzzing with Brandon. We are. We're buzzing with Brandon, so tune in. Hi, everybody. This is Nicholas Walker, and you're listening to Brandon Buzz on Blog Talk Radio. This is a great show. Brandon is a great host. (laughs) So if you feel that you just can't take it, and your world isn't what it seems, don't forget that life can be what you make it Better when you live on a street of dreams Hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you're with Brandon's Buzz, the place to be This is Terry Garber, and you are buzzing with Brandon This is Maya Bialik, and you are lucky enough to be listening to Brandon's Buzz Hey guys, and welcome to Brandon's Buzz. It is September 9th, 1 p.m. here in Texas, 2 p.m. out east, 11 a.m. out in the west. It's a rainy day here in Austin, Texas, and I'm thrilled to be back with you here on Brandon's Buzz. I've got a frog in my throat, so if you would pardon me a second while I clear my throat. <coughs> so sorry about that. That's much better. Uh, thank you for joining me here on Brandon's Buzz. It's Wednesday afternoon, September 9th. Uh, I want to tell you quickly how you can find the show in case you don't know. Uh, you're listening live, so obviously, or if you are listening live, you obviously know how to find the show, but in case you're listening as a podcast or want to listen as a podcast, uh, let me tell you quickly about the show's main website. It is blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz. Uh, that's kind of mission control for the site. From there, you can listen to old shows, you can download old shows, and uh, you can leave me comments, you can send me an email, you can uh, see what's coming up on the show, anything and everything related to the show can be found at that site, blogtalkradio.com slash brandonsbuzz. You can also find me at my blog, brandonsbuzz.com. There is a complete radio archive of all my previous shows. This is show number 33 for me, and all of the previous 32 episodes uh, are in that radio archive at brandonsbuzz.com. Just click on the radio tab at the top of the page. It's blue. It'll take you to a page with uh, dates of all my previous shows that you can click on, and that will take you to a page where you can see the great banners that my pal Joanne makes to help me advertise the show. And uh, there you can also listen to the show via the Blog Talk Radio player that's at the top of each page. That's at brandonsbuzz.com, the radio archive. I'm also on iTunes. I'm on iTunes, guys. Uh, Just type in Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box. Uh, Scroll down to the podcast section from there. You can download individual old episodes as podcasts. Uh, or you can subscribe to the show and have them automatically download to your library the minute they're uploaded to the music store. So uh, I'm all over the Internet. There's no excuse not to be able to find me. I'm Brandon's Buzz on Twitter. I'm Brandon's Buzz on Facebook. Uh, Google the words Brandon's Buzz, and something will pop up that points you in my direction. Uh, And I'm thrilled for all of you who are coming along, who are finding me, and who continue finding me and continue listening to this great show. Uh, I'm waiting for my guest to call in today. Uh, so while we wait for him to, to arrive, I'm going to tell you what's coming up on the show. Uh, next week, we are sending Guiding Life, Guiding Life, Guiding Light off into the sunset uh, with great style. I don't have this firmed up 100%, so you're going to stay tuned to the websites, my blog, brandonsbuzz.com, or the show's website, blogtalkradio.com, slash brandonsbuzz, um, for, for further information. And as soon as I get concrete details... I will absolutely post them, but I have a couple of Guiding Light tributes planned for next week uh, with some great guests. 
So uh, stay tuned for that. As we all know, Guiding Light is going off the air next week after 72 years. It's going to be a heartbreaking day, Friday, September 18th, uh, and we're going to send off Guiding Light in high style with uh, some great memories and some, some great remembrances of a, of a truly classic, truly groundbreaking television series. That's next week. Uh, coming up in the future, later this month, I've got a great actress by the name of Jessica Tuck, uh, we are getting together this week to find a date that we both agree on. Uh, you remember her from One Life to Live. She was Megan Gordon, Buchanan, uh, Harrison on uh, One Life to Live for uh, three years back in the 90s. And uh, she has gone on to great success in primetime and in film. And she is working on a brand new website, uh, which you can find at www.inspirethechange.com. Uh, it's kind of an environmental-related website, and she is coming by the show to talk about that, to talk about One Life, to talk about her amazing career. She's a great actress. It's going to be a lot of fun. So that's coming up later this month. We don't have a firm date on that yet, but the minute I get that, it'll be posted on the websites, which I told you before, blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz and Brandon's Buzz.com. Uh, also, yesterday I got a confirmation from a great singer by the name of Susie Boggess. Uh, she will be coming on later in the fall to talk about an acoustic Christmas album that she's working on and to talk about her amazing career in country music. Uh, that's going to be great fun. That's later in the fall. So uh, as I said, stay tuned to brandonsbuzz.com and blogtalkradio.com slash brandonsbuzz um, for further information on what's coming up. And as I said, you can listen to what has been on the show just by going to blogtalkradio.com slash brandonsbuzz or going to iTunes or going to my blog, brandonsbuzz.com. So past, present, future of Brandon's Buzz, all at those two websites and at iTunes. Uh, so I appreciate you guys coming along for the ride, as I said, and enjoying the show. I'm still waiting for my guest to call in. Uh, I was told an area code 917, and he has not called in yet. So let me... Hmm. Let me play some music, and while I'm doing that, I'm going to send an email to my guest's publicist, and we'll find out what's going on here. So uh, let's play this. Listen to this. This is a, this is a little promo intro, and we will um, see what's going on. Hi, I'm Alita Adams. Everybody is all abuzz about Brandon's buzz. This guy is the person to listen to. <laughs> I wish you could do all the interviews. Hi, this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. This is Taylor Dane, and you are listening to the one and only Brandon Buzz. This is Maya Bialik, and you are lucky enough to be listening to Brandon's Hi, Buzz. Hi, this is Beth Maitland. And this is Joel Brooks. And we're on Brandon's Buzz. We're buzzing with Brandon. We are. We're buzzing with Brandon, so tune in. This is Harry Garber, and you are buzzing with Brandon. Please stay tuned for Brandon's Buzz. I'm Joan Van Ark, and the buzz is hot. This is Claire Matthews from Tammy Show, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Great guy, great show. Check it out. Hey, hey, this is Mia People, and you are checking out Brandon's Buzz right now.
Isn't that fun? The great Nia Peoples from yesterday. Great song, great woman. Okay, my guest is on the phone, I think, and I want to tell you all about him. You know, he's played, among many other parts, Jesus, Moses, and Tarzan on stage, but the star maker, the, one, the role that's got him on the launching pad and ready for takeoff, may just be the one he just started playing. Daily on ABC's One Life to Live, he portrays Nick Chavez, an instantly formidable potential spoiler to the developing romance between Landview Outsiders Kyle Lewis and Oliver Fish. You know, the jaw-dropping nonchalance with which this storyline is evolving has been breathtaking to behold, and one of its major players has come by the buzz today to tell us all about what's in store this fall on the show and to discuss how his already amazing career is only getting bigger and better. He's a fellow Texan, which thrills me no end, and he is talented beyond belief, and it is a great thrill to welcome to my show today the stunning Nicholas Rodriguez. Hey, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. So welcome to the show. Thanks for stopping by to gab with us for a bit. Hey, it's it's great to talk to you. <laughs> so, I'm sorry uh, to keep you waiting. Yeah, I, actually, was... oddly enough, I've, I've been on, on a hold for a bit, and I've got two phones I called in uh, from my home and from my cell phone, because when I heard <laughs> that you, you could get me. So here I've got two phones pressed up to my ear, and I'm not sure which one I'm talking to you on. <laughs> I've got you live on the 917 phone, so. Oh, beautiful. So I'll hang the other one up. Okay. Okay. Hey, how you doing? Pretty good. You know, I didn't know if one of those two one twos was your was you or not, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to pull okay. somebody onto the air, you know, uh, 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 kind of blindly. So, well, there you go. Here we are. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Same here. So uh, let's get the boring stuff out of the way. Give us the sixty second bio on Nicholas Rodriguez. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Where'd you go to school? Oh, boring sixty minute bio. I think it's pretty exciting, actually. I was born and raised in Austin, Texas. Uh, lived there my whole life. My parents are from there. And I went to school in South Austin, and at the ripe age of 18, I decided to just stay there, and I went to the University of Texas for undergrad and for grad school. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I went around. I explored some other schools, you know, in California and New York, and I just uh, found this great teacher in New York, that, I mean, at the University of Texas that I really wanted to work with. So I, I stayed in Austin for a few more years. Excellent. You know, talk about growing I mean, it's a great city. I, I've, I've moved here in 94. I grew up in the panhandle of Texas. Okay. And I moved here in 94 and never left, and it's an, right on. an amazing city. Right on. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Talk about growing up here. Well, you know, it, it's it's beautiful. I mean, it's one of the most – I mean, if you don't have anything to compare it to, then we all think the world from is beautiful. But, you know, you have the hill country. You know, you have the downtown life. You have, you know, all, all that kind of stuff, especially my parents that both grew up in South Austin, Mm-hmm. So, which was kind of like the cultural center of the town. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice, you know, as I've grown up and become more of an adult, how that part has really just taken off and how the rest of the country has just kind of embraced it as this music capital and now film capital Absolutely. Uh, of the country. But to, to be rooted in it for, you know, a couple of generations, it's just kind of just kind of neat, you know, because there's a, a special kind of ownership that goes with it, you know. Excellent. How often do you make it back? You know, I make it back as often as I can. I, it's been because I, I just love it so much and I love visiting my family. I haven't been there um in almost a year, unfortunately. But before that, I was I, I did a couple of projects. I did a show down at the Paramount, and you know I've come back occasionally to do, excuse me, to do some shows. Um, but I'm hoping to make it back this fall to you know do some visiting and catching up with people. Excellent. When you come back and work and act in your hometown, is it is it a special thrill? Oh, totally. You know, I mean, because it's where I got my start, and even even in um, you know my first professional theater gig, and kind of what drew me to the whole thing was through the Austin community of actors, you know, and 
I've been all over the country. I've been lucky enough to do work regionally all over the country and all over the world. And even still, like the local talent, because Austin has such a great talent pool, Absolutely. you know, it, Limitless. It, it, yeah, it, I mean, it's better than, than uh, you find most places around the world. So, you know, it's always top-notch work and people that really love doing it. And, you know, to come back and get to work with people that I watched on stage um, as a kid, you know, now work with as colleagues, it, it, the support is just incredibly overwhelming. You know, some of my biggest heroes and influences to this day are actors and directors that I worked with in Austin as a high school kid. So, you know, to, to be able to stay in touch with them and to come back and now collaborate with them, it's just it's really thrilling for me. I, I mean, I definitely don't ever take it for granted. And, you know, even great Austin artists who are no longer with us, like Joe, Joe York and Karen Kirkendall, you know, they're such a fab- part of the fabric of who I am and, and what made me. So it's nice to go back and, you know, and, and have a connection. Well, that's really great. Yeah. Do you buy that there's that there's a brotherhood from being about being from this state that other states just don't share? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, I, it's so interesting because I just got asked in another interview, like, what's your nationality? And I was like, I'm Texan. You know, it, it, you just don't really think about it. You know, it's just kind of, you know, we're from the states that was also a country. And, and whether you try to be arrogant about it, it's just kind of bred in from you, you know, from a young age, you know. So so it's definitely, definitely part of the fabric. So It makes you wonder if people from Delaware or, or North Dakota, you know, feel that same kind of pride about their, about their origin. You know, you meet it every once in a while. It's usually somebody from a southern state, but yeah, it's, I haven't yet to meet somebody from like Rhode Island that has such a state pride that we do. But, but yeah. So, did you always know you wanted to be an actor? I mean, was it was it clear from early on that this was this was your path? You know, it it wasn't really like not. Uh, you know, it it really wasn't you know always clear. I mean, from an early early age. I mean, I always enjoy singing. I come from a musical family. You know, my grandmother was an elementary school music teacher, and, you know, my father dabbled in, in rock and roll bands here and there, you know, from high school on. Uh, but, you know, it never really dawned on me as a profession until, you know, the middle of high school. And we started, you know, thinking about what we were going to do. And then it was pretty clear that there was, you know, no other option. You know, I mean, it, it's where I it was where my passion lied. It was music and, and acting, so. Yeah, you know, you talk about music. Is it true that you were training to be an opera singer? I was. That's my degree is uh, from the University of Texas. Uh, I have a master's in voice and an undergraduate degree in voice as well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I, it may yeah. sound like a stupid question, but is there any way we can get eight bars of something? I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't know that it's not necessarily. It's not necessarily a stupid question, Brandon. <laughs> but uh, I don't know that it's like something I'm still warmed up to do, uh, sitting in my pajamas on my bed in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> But one day, first... maybe I'll come back and do it. Oh, excellent, excellent. Uh, do you remember the first time you got a reaction to to uh, your voice or to something you kind of said or did? I mean, well, I guess there were kind of two two like big events that I was talking back to. You know, one was when I was a little kid, and they asked me to sing the intro at church. You know, uh, at my grandmother's church, and to get up and sing and to see the reactions on people's faces. I don't know how old I'm. I must have been like you know, nine or ten, my voice hadn't changed yet. And then, you know, that was pretty, pretty, you know, interesting. But I think when I got into high school, there was like a, a choir competition, and the teacher was like, well, why don't you try this, you know? And, um, you know, so I prepared and did all this thing with all, with all these other kids, you know, hundreds and hundreds of other contestants from around the city and the region. And, you know, they start reading the results, and, you know, they started like 50th place, and, by the time, you know, they got into the 20s and hadn't called my name, I thought for sure, 
you know, oh, God, I must really suck. I thought I could do this. And then, you know, to get to the end as a freshman in high school and be picked number number four, you know, I was like, oh, wow, I guess I can do this. So it just made me want to work harder and harder and harder. So, so if, if uh, a musical opportunity or, or a music-based opportunity of some kind kind of presented itself, would you, would you jump on it in a second or, or are you kind of committed to uh, the path you're on now? Well, I mean, it is the path that I'm on now. You know, it's, I, I'm pretty lucky to have this career that's, that's that's, you know, based in music and theater and now television and, you know, have a film coming up that I'm excited about working on. But, uh, you know, we're always, like, exploring all different kinds of projects. You know, now that I'm doing One Life to Live, it's freed up some more time that I'm trying to put together a one-man show that I can have at my disposal to go and be able to do in, like, nightclubs and, and stuff like that. It's really a, a, a passion of mine, too. So I'm glad to have the time to, to get to work on it. Because, you know, in the past when you're doing you know, like a Broadway schedule or a touring schedule and you're doing eight shows a week, it's tough to find that um, extra reserve to work <laughs> on another show, you know. So. <laughs> and uh, how great that you're on One Life to Live, which is a, a musically stacked cast. I mean, you've got people like Cassie DePaiva and Eileen Kristen and, you know, all, oh, yeah. all these great people who, who, I mean, Eileen Kristen does a one-woman show like every month, I think. Yeah, she's she's constantly working. I see posters up at the um, – up at the – the studio all the time. So, and you know, we had Kathy Fire, who's who's coming back, and she she was in Hairspray as well on Broadway, Absolutely. and just Jason Tam, who's in a chorus line, and he plays Marco. He and I did a show together years ago with Lou Diamond Phillips, and wow, yeah. So there's just you know everybody has this like depth of talent. It's it's pretty amazing. So what would you call your big break? What what was the thing that kind of set you on your way? Um, you know, there's. Different things have come along at the different periods that have been, you know, they've all been pinnacle at the time, you know, like, so I would say for this phase of my career, you know, this one life to live this daytime uh, has been a pretty huge thing for me to get that kind of exposure, you know, and every step along the way, it just seems to be the first, the right thing, you know, I moved to the city, um, it's actually, I moved September 5th. 2001, so it was just, you know, about this time of year, which was not exactly the best time for our country. No. <laughs> yeah, it was, you and know, but it was, that city. yeah, but it was a very interesting time because it made people come together and, it, you know, it, it was, there was definitely a sense of community, but shortly after those events, I got a phone call from someone because um, a production of Candide at Harrisburg Opera, somebody had dropped out at the last minute, didn't travel because of, you know, the horrible incident on the 11th, and uh, called me and asked me if I was available to start rehearsals immediately. And I said, sure, I'll take that chance. I'll take that opportunity. And, you know, because of that, you know, I got my first big job, and I got an agent. So, you know, that, that kind of started the ball in motion, you know. And there have been some other pretty cool things that have happened along the way. <laughs> Where were you on 9-11? I'm sorry? Where were you on 9-11? Oh, I was in my apartment, uh, asleep. Yeah. And woke up to, uh, it, I guess, self, my home phone wasn't working, of course, like anybody else's, but my cell phone at some point um, registered and it just went off the hook. Like, I guess there had been like 25 messages or something because cell signal was going in and out. So, you know, it made me go outside and look. And, of course, you know, you see the smoke and uh, turn on the TV to see what's going on. So, did your family back home just completely panic? I mean, they oh, totally. Sick. And because you know we couldn't really make phone calls, there was no phone service, and cell phones weren't really working. So they continued to panic. I mean, eventually, towards the end of the day, I was able to call them, but 
you know, they were they were panicking until then. I think I was able to send an email, if I remember correctly. Um, but, yeah, of course, everybody was panicking. And, you know, my parents, being from Texas, and I hadn't really explored New York. I think they'd visited once. They didn't, you know, they weren't aware. You know, everybody was at ground zero as far as they were concerned. You know, they didn't, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I don't mean to make it sound self-more because it's not that at all. But, but you know, it's if you knew somebody in New York, you were wondering where they were. You know, so it's just, sure. it was a scary time. You know, and, and having Austin as as a reference point, I mean, you know, it's it's a fairly metropolitan place for, for what it is, but it's also a, a pretty small town, too. Oh, right. So, you know, if you... If you if you try to compare New York City to Austin, I mean you you must think well you know it's it's as compact as Austin is and it's really not. Right. Yeah. Right. So having grown up here in Texas, was your entry into New York City kind of an extreme culture clash? No, not at all. I mean, I think I would I had come up here to visit a few times before, but you know knowing that this is where I wanted to end up, I had kind of always just keep my finger on the pulse of what was going on and you know reading about it and you know. Um, keeping up with things, you know, magazines and, and the internet at the time, and I traveled a bit before I actually moved up there. So, so it wasn't really the culture shock. I was ready to kind of here and hit the ground running. It's kind of my personality, you know. I'm not a. Uh, I kind of just dive into things with both feet. So excellent. Uh, looking back on on what was happening that first month that you arrived, I mean, would you? I don't, I don't. How do I want to ask? Would you have it any other way? Um, well, because I don't. I mean, I, I, I know why you asked that, but I mean, because I don't have it any other way to celebrate yeah. my entry. You know, exactly. I mean, I definitely feel like somebody asked me before, did it scare me away? Well, clearly not. I'm still here. But <laughs> I think for for New Yorkers, I'm, I think it's hard to explain to people the sense of community they instantly felt. I was living in a story at the time, but. Um, and the trains weren't running into this in or out of the city as soon as it happened, right, mm-hmm. uh, in the morning. And But I couldn't wait for the trains to start running because I wanted to go into the city. You know, it's just like everybody had the need to congregate, to be together. You know, you're talking to complete strangers, you know, ask, you know, are you okay, or sometimes cool. just chatting. And, you know, for months afterwards, you know, people, the pleasantries on the subway and, and how out of their way people were going to take care of one another, even in the littlest gestures. So... You know, it was definitely it was definitely a community time in New York City. Wow! Did you ever make it down to Ground Zero? Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. What, uh, what was going through your head when you first went down there? I mean, it must have just been stunning. Well, uh, no, let me. I didn't go down there on that day. I mean, yeah, I mean I, yeah but I mean, just you know, the first time you went down there after the event. I mean, well, I didn't particularly. I only had a frame of reference from a distance. You know, I had never been to the – well, I, no, I take that back. I had been to it, uh, the World Trade Towers. But I definitely remember being in a state of awe. Mm-hmm. It's just – especially because there's so much around there. You know, like, it's like a dual awe of how much devastation there was mm-hmm. and how much there could have been. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, and even still to this day, I mean, it's still, you know, eight years later that it's, you know, a big – hole you know so i mean there's plans and everything to, to change it and they're on their way but it's you know clearly not the same so talk about some of your stage roles do you have a particular favorite among the among the i mean you've played so many now and it's you know it's amazing to think that you're only you're only 30 and and or 33 not yet not yet don't rush me brandon <laughs> 
I was doing math quickly in my head. 32. 32. And, I mean, you've had all these amazing roles and all these amazing opportunities. Does anything stick out in your mind? You know, they, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of them. I've had some pretty cool, cool experiences, you know. Um, I think as actors, we tend to rush to, like, what was the biggest success or what was the most fun, you know. But for me, peppered with, you know, some of the, the critical failures, so to speak, just getting the opportunity and to work on them, those are just as big, too. So it's really kind of tough to say, you know. I mean, some of the roles that I'm most proud of, I really, really enjoy playing uh, Jesus and Jesus Christ Superstar. I've done it a couple times now. And um, I'm just proud of this production that we did in Boston a few years back and, and just the point I was in my life and when we did it and the audience reaction. Um, I really enjoy playing Che and Evita. Wow. Uh, I got the opportunity to play uh, Claude and Hare in a huge auditorium in Paris. So that all those things together, you know, doing this American show overseas during the Bush administration, uh, <laughs> this all about peace and love, being uh -huh. American, was very cool, you know. So, And then, you know, obviously playing Tarzan in Broadway was pretty incredible. Awesome. Absolutely. You know, pardon me if this is a dumbass question, but I, I've never been to New York City, and I don't really know much about the stage and how the whole thing works. Talk about uh -huh. the differences between Broadway and off-Broadway. I mean, you, you've excelled in both arenas, obviously. Is there a massive difference between them? Well, the difference, I mean, what defines Broadway and off-Broadway is, is, is technical. It's the size of the house, you know, so, you know, the, the number of seats that are in the house. And also, you know, with that comes, like, the budget and, and the um, exposure, you know, um, is the main difference. Um, but other than, you know, so obviously Broadway gets more attention, but there can just be just as high-level work, you know, from a playwright or from an actor or design team off-Broadway as well, you know. Okay. Like I just did an off-Broadway show that had 400 seats, whereas, you know, a Broadway show has 1,800, you know, 1,200, 1,800, 3,000 seats. So. In, in terms of respect within the community, is there a difference between them? Uh, I, I mean, I guess, you know, there, there's an unspoken, yes, I guess Broadway is kind of the pinnacle because it's, it's Broadway, but you still have, you know, incredible... A-list actors will go do that will do an off-Broadway play. You know the pay scale is less, but if you want to do great work, you'll you'll go where the work is. You know, sure. and there's some really small like theater companies like the Public Theater and you know Playwrights Horizons and, and things like this that are top-notch professional theaters that just run on a what's called an off-Broadway contract. You know, okay. so um, it, it doesn't necessarily differentiate like quality of work or um, level of of actor as, as somebody might think, you know. Okay. Do you have a Do you have a favorite house in the city? Not necessarily one that you've acted in, but do, do you just have a favorite theater that that uh, speaks to you in some way? Well, I definitely love the old the older theaters. You know, like wh whether they get renamed. You know, I think the the Booth is a beautiful theater. I love, obviously, the Richard Rogers is where I made my Broadway debut, it's just these big, older houses. I just love the design of them. Nothing to n take nothing away from the big new ones, but I just like it. I love the feel of the history when you walk out there to do it, you know? Absolutely. And even as an audience member, you, even if it's been refurbished, or, you know, D Disney's done some great work to some beautiful theater renovations, but you can still see the history and the respect of, you know, what's been there before. Absolutely. Do you ever find yourself... Uh, I don't know, in an empty house in, in the afternoon, just looking out, just standing on stage and looking out at all the empty seats and just thinking, Jesus. 
Oh, yeah, all the time. Or it's funny, you know, if you go to do an event at a house and you get to see it for what, it's, what it is, you know, they can either be twice as intimidating or half as intimidating, and you don't really know what you're going to get. You, you'll walk out there and you're like, oh, that's not that big. Or you walk out and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> This, too, is probably a stupid question because it's it's – uh, essentially no different than, you know, being an out gay anything in the real world. But what's it like being an out gay actor in the real world? Are there, are the, there real pressures on you related to... In the, the real world? Or, you, and, and, or in my real world? Uh, 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 take your pick. Well, I mean, I can only speak on my, my experience, so I guess I'll just go there. But, you know, I, coming from the theater world, it's a totally... Um, it's a different thing. I mean, I guess just it's just... It's a non-issue most of the time, honestly. Like it's uh, in the theater world, you know, I'm noticing it as a little bit of an issue in the television world now, and that's just a whole new mm-hmm. experience for me. But it's not one that I hadn't heard about, you know. So I kind of have a frame of reference from listening to other people go through it, and namely, you know, the question that most people have had over the years that they have to ask themselves are, "Am I going to be out or am I not?" You know, for me, I didn't. It wasn't anything that weighed on me very heavily. Yeah. I don't even remember it being asked of me. I think just because it was printed somewhere that I was an out gay actor, so now all of a sudden I carry that moniker of out gay <laughs> actor. Uh, and it's not anything, you know, it, it's really just a non-issue for me. You know, and I'm trying to act as though it's a non-issue. And if, it's, um, if it can have a positive connotation for people, even better. You know, but I certainly don't think of it as anything negative, you know. Absolutely. Uh, so are are you fine with that label? I mean, are you fine with kind of... Uh, I don't. I don't know how to. Uh, are you fine with that label? Oh yeah. I mean, look, it is what it is. You know, at the end of the day, as long as they have the word actor in there, I'm happy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm doing what I love, and I'm passionate about it. You know, I am who I am, and you know, and I'm happy to be who I am. So, you know, it is what it is. You know, it. You know, hopefully one of these days they'll they'll replace like out gay actor with, you know, Tony winning actor or Absolutely. Academy Award winning actor. And uh, hopefully in five years or maybe even less that it won't, it'll be a non-issue, you know, like people's sexuality may be a non-issue, you know, so it, it, this part of it won't even be getting press. But in the meantime, if it can get good press and be a, be something for other people to look up to or uh, help them along in their own personal journeys, then great, more power to it. Sure. You know, the fact is that it is such a novelty because there are so few out gay actors, especially in the daytime world. Um, so, you know, anytime one pops up, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's an easy thing for the mainstream press to grab onto. So. Great. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. It's a very personal choice. You know, I know many people that, that are out in their private lives and that aren't in their professional lives. And, you know, I, I have to just respect that that's their path, you know, and, you know, hopefully one day it'll change. But in the meantime, you know, just, we just have to support each other one way or another. So Absolutely. And, you know, everybody gets there a different way, everybody. Absolutely, absolutely. So talk about talk about the One Life to Live role. I understand that you originally uh, auditioned for the role of Skylar, which, uh, funny enough, was your co-star's uh, original role. when he, That's what he was hired to play, Brett Claywell. Yeah, it's funny how that it, all things point back to Skylar. Yeah, I originally auditioned. It was the first time auditioning for One Life was uh, for Skyler, and didn't get it. But I did get far enough along in the process to meet with um, Frank and Ron, Frank Valentini and Ron Keller, the writer. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I was told by my agent that I didn't get it, that they wanted somebody younger and, and something else uh, to play opposite Star. And I said, no big deal. And also, interestingly enough, I think Crystal Hunt was doing her 
her meeting that day too. So it was kind of a big one, let's say. Uh, and then flash forward to a few months when I get an email from my agent saying, hey, uh, we're submitting you. They want to see you for the role of Griffin. And they send me the breakdown, and it's, you know, uh, the very first word in the breakdown is Caucasian. And then it said something, you know, hunky and confident and all the other words that you expect to go with a daytime leading man. Uh-huh. And so I get there and audition, and it goes well. And then I go back into the producer sessions with, with Frank again and uh, waiting out in the lobby here, you know, six or seven other blonde hair, blue eyed guys. And so I'm just sitting there thinking like, well, I don't have a prayer in hell for this one. So might as well just go in and do what I do. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, it went well, I suppose. And I did it a couple times for them and talked with them for a bit. And I'm not even, you know, leaving ABC studios and on the subway back to my apartment. And my agents call me to tell me that I got it. And wow. I just started laughing, you know, I mean, I was it, laughing because it's, you know, it's lo and behold, the time that you think that, you know, yeah. You don't stand up here and tell you get it. So. <laughs> so, but the character was originally named Griffin, and um, when I showed up on my first day of set, uh, they decided to change the name. So I decided I wasn't quite a Griffin, so they named him Nick, Nick Chavez. Excellent. Yeah. And had you, had you been auditioning for television roles for some time, or...? You know, it, uh, intermittently, you know, it was, uh, it was a nut that we were just starting to crack uh, with me and my agents. I, I had just switched agents at the start of the year, right about the time that, that, that uh, when I first went up to Skyler. And it was, you know, I was going, making the rounds. I was making the television um, introductions with the different casting directors and just kind of getting to know people in the industry. And I had the opportunity to do this thing that ABC sponsors. It's called the Diversity Showcase do it every year uh, in Los Angeles and in New York, and they pick uh, a handful of actors to work with directors and do a showcase for the industry. Um, and that was right about the time that I was, you know, deciding, hey, I want to try this, you know. Wow. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had Brett, your co-star, back on my, on my show back in June, and it was just before they announced that they were going ahead with the Fish Kyle storyline. And when okay. I said this before, I mean like a day or two. And the information that I had received from various sources was that his role was coming to an end and that he would be leaving the show. So most of my one-life questions were slanted toward, you know, would you ever do another soap? Did you enjoy this experience? And so the poor man probably thought I was a total idiot. <laughs> I doubt so, that. <laughs> if you would pass on to him that I'm not, I would very much Okay, I'll tell him when I see him tomorrow. <laughs> I just got bad information beforehand. Well, thank God he's still there or I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> So talk about stripping down to the buff on your second episode. That was quite a character introduction. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. It was an introduction in so many ways, you know. It was my first – it was my second episode, but it was my first day at on set. So how that hilarious. was a little interesting. How was, that, how was that conveyed for you? to you in the script? I'm sorry? How was that conveyed to you in the script? Well, you know, that, it's interesting because it, it wasn't exactly clear. I mean, it, it definitely said that, you know, I was, we were in the locker room. And that I was um, changing clothes, but you know, it wasn't aware. I wasn't aware, you know, am I changing a shirt or what's going to be on camera? And you know, because it wasn't a lot of dialogue in between, you know, that I had to be off, you know, undressed. But it's when I got to the set, and you know, they showed me where my towel was, and then wardrobe brought in. Um, it was my first day to meet the wardrobe people too, and they brought in underwear <laughs> options for me to try on. So never have in my life have I had an underwear fitting. Uh, so I was like, oh. So I go to do the rehearsal, which lasted all of, you know, 10 minutes. And nobody mentions anything about how far that they want me to get undressed. They just say, 
you know, you go over here, you're changing, 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 look in this camera, turn to Oliver, and then we're done. And then so we never really rehearsed it, and so we just, you know, did it. And I turned to Scott Evans, and I said, I'm just going to go for this. I hope it's okay. Mind you, it's the first day I've met him as well. Wow. And so we just did it. And the, I guess the first take, you know, I, I just tried something out. And it was I was more nervous about getting the lines in on camera and getting the clothes off in time than I was about actually being naked because it was just so much to think about. Uh-huh. And, you know, the next thing I know, I'm taking my underwear off in front of Scott Evans, and he's bright red. And, uh, and then... You know, of course, they yell cut, and they have me, and then then that's when it all sinks in, is when they yell cut, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm standing here naked in front of a room full of people, and uh, somebody runs over and brings me a towel, and I'm standing there, like, totally awkward, and I was like, well, hi, nice to meet y'all, you know, and, yeah, one of the the uh, stage managers, Al, he was like, welcome to daytime, Nicholas, welcome to daytime, you know, so it was a really good time, you know, we we all had a, you know, was incredibly respectful, and we just kind of just jumped in there and do it, you know. And I kind of find that's how it's been working with with Brett too, you know, all the difficult and the like anything that's intimate and kissing and, and whatnot. It's like you know we don't really rehearse it, we don't really talk about it. We're just like let's just have instinct and go in there and do it, which is way different than the the theater world. You know, you have weeks and weeks and weeks of rehearsal. You try it this way, try it that way, and. And you, you get to finesse every single line almost. Well, you at least get to rehearse it and try yeah. different options. This is like, well, let's just go for it with five cameras rolling. And, you know, and if, if the director or the producers hate it, we'll go back and do it again. But You know, you mentioned working with Brett. Has there been any discomfort at all with either of you playing off of each other, given the fact that you're gay and he's not? Oh, I wouldn't say there's any discomfort about that, like, between he and I at all. I mean, thank God we... You know, even on some of our most difficult days uh, of shooting, like whether it be subject material or uh, um, stuff like that, we many of times have turned to each other and been like, wow, well, thank God for you. You know, and we <laughs> definitely feel it. Like, we definitely have a great connection as human beings, you know. And, you know, it is interesting. He's straight and from the South, you know. So he's going through a whole bunch of things that I've already gone through, having Absolutely. come out, you know. And uh, But the great thing about the two of us um, – the great thing about working with Brett, and I think he would say the same thing about me, that we just, the door's open to talk about anything, you know, and if there's no problem, we go out to lunch, talk about it, you know, we, we just, it's just great. We talk about it, get it all on the table, um, and then realize that at the end of the day, we want the same thing. We want to do good work, mm-hmm. and we want to tell the truth, mm-hmm. and we want to show, like, a loving, honest relationship, you know, and I think that's the thing that we talk about the most, is trying to communicate how do we show that, you know, and his frame of reference is having dated girls, and mine is from having dated dated men most recently. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, and it's you know finding out that it's the same thing, and that's what we want to convey to our audience is that you know what, two men can have the same issues and Absolutely. relationships and trust issues, and we all have baggage from our exes. It's all it's all the same thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. Please pardon the pun here, but are you surprised at how straight the show is playing this storyline? I mean, they're not playing it like a big social issue thing the way past gay storylines have been on other soaps. I mean, they're just playing a real, emotionally honest love story here. That's what I love about it. I mean, don't you? I mean, for me, that's why I get so excited to go to work every day because my character of the three of us, I was introduced as a gay character. You know, even though that's not what I thought I was being hired for, mm-hmm. but uh, it, 
I'm introduced this way, and they're not asking for anything camp. They're not asking for anything over the top. That's they're just ask, asking me to be, to be a good guy, you know, to be a nurturing boyfriend. Uh, I'm now a teacher at a high school, you know. So it's just my, my character is just a, a guy, you know. Brett's character is a guy, you know. So it's really nice, and I think it's more close to what it is in real life, you know. I, no question. I don't, I'm sorry? No question. Oh, yeah. Well, great. I'm, you know, and hopefully the people will respond to it, and it's going to continue, you know, as the stuff that we've shot. I can't really go into too much detail about it, but I am, I am still there, so that's a good thing, and I'll be there for, you know, for a while. But, you know, this relationship with Nick and Kyle really takes off, and, and Oliver is still there, you know, and it's, it's about, you know, just because somebody's not your current boyfriend, they're still in your life, and they still have major, hold major sway, and it's how do we all work it out. No, you know, nobody has to steal the baby or kidnap somebody for there to be drama. There's drama enough, you know. So You know, it's it's really fascinating to watch it unfold and as I told you when I when I reached out to you originally to have you on my show, it, it thrills me that it's my favorite show. I've watched this show for twenty one years now. Wow. It, you know, it thrills me that it's my favorite show that's doing this, considering that they really made their name and built their reputation on being a culturally, ethnically, socially diverse television program and you know, they had kind of gotten away from that for a while, and it's great to see the human mosaic, you know, coming back full force in Landview. It really is. Well, that's great. That's great. So uh, talk about when and how you found out that, that what was planned to be a short-term character was being expanded and fleshed out. Um, well, after, you know, I didn't really have a clue at first because I was only originally hired to be there for uh, five episodes or four episodes. I don't remember. I think it was four. Uh, and then shortly after that, like maybe the next day after I taped mine, they called my agents and said, is he available for this, this, and this, and this time? And we said, sure, great. And um, I got those scripts a few weeks later, and I was like, I didn't even know some of the people were. You know, I had to quickly do my homework uh-huh. because, you know, I, as far as I knew, I was in the Kyle and Fish, um, Fish storyline. Uh, so... And I was all of a sudden getting the script, and I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> so I had to go and do some homework, and who are these people, and my agents were helping me out. So I thought, okay, clearly I'm going to be here around a second if they're, they're laying all these eggs, so to speak. They've got to hatch at some point. Uh, and then that just started happening more and more, um, and a lot of it was way in the future because of certain people's, like, vacation schedules and this, that, and the uh-huh. other. Uh-huh. But it... Uh, and then after, you know, two or three days, I was, Frank Valentini was actually directing an episode that I was doing, and he just, you know, was very complimentary and said, you know, you're going to be here a while, and I hope that's okay with you. Kind of funny, and I was like, it's more than okay with me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's just been really great to me, and everybody's just been incredibly supportive and, and you know, wonderful about the whole thing. You know, talk about Frank as a director. I've heard past actors on past shows and in past interviews talk about how much they love it when Frank is directing. Is it, is oh, it weird to have the executive producer of the show, you know, on stage with you, directing you? Well, you know, the thing is, is it's also the buck stops there because he's the executive producer, and he knows the big picture. I mean, I can only speak from my experience, but I've been fortunate enough that he's directed probably a majority of the episodes that I've done. I mean, I've worked with five or six directors, but I just get so excited when I see his name because I know he's really passionate about it, uh-huh. and he has a really clear vision of where he wants it to go. Sure. So when he lays it out for you, you're like, okay, great, I can do that. I know, you know, he's very clear, and I know exactly what he wants. And if I don't give it to him on the first take, and he gives me a very clear note, and I know, oh, that's where he wants it. And you know, it's just no fuss, no muss. It's, it's he's very great to work for. Great. Yeah. 
and he knows everything. I mean, he's been there, and you know, he's involved with all the storylines, so he knows how it's gonna gonna tie in here and gonna tie in there, and you know, how to make you look the way that he wants you to come across. It's very great. You know, it must be because, like you said, he's he's got in his mind the entire puzzle and how it fits together, and so it, it must be great to have him. Whenever he is directing on set, it must be great to just have him, you know, guiding you. Yeah, and even if he's not directing, a lot of times he's around or he's in the booth and he'll come down and add his two cents. So it's great. He's very hands-on that way. Talk about the differences between stage and soap. My sense is that notwithstanding the, the live audience that you get from stage and the uh, the magnitude of the performance that stage requires you to give, they're actually quite similar forums. Well, you know, I guess at the the basis of it, like the truth is the basis of all of it. You know, like if you're talking to the person you're talking to, you know, in my case most often it's Kyle, uh, are you talking to them and are you listening to them and giving them back, you know, responding to them? And it's the same thing on stage. It's just you're just doing it on a much, much larger scale. And also with soap, it happens so quickly. You know, as far as rehearsal, you may get a rehearsal, you may not, or you may just get to talk through it. You know, but there's certainly been times when I walk in and I say, hi, I'm Nicholas, nice to meet you. Hi, who are you playing? Nick, okay, great, we're taping, you know, and and then you just go. And so that's where definitely, you know, the whole technique and, and training thing really comes in handy because, you know, you just have to know your stuff and go with it. And that's what I consider the blessing for my, my, especially my first few episodes because I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I didn't know which camera was my camera and who, you know, <laughs> I feel like I'm learning on the fly, and, and um, I'm certainly having a great time with it, and people are incredibly helpful, but all I could really rely on is making strong choices about who I thought Nick was and listening to the person that was talking to me and trying to respond to it. And, and so far it's paid off, and, and I, I think it's great. How have you adapted to performing in front of the camera or performing for the camera? Well, I, you know, honestly, I really try not to think about it. I, I, we all come from different backgrounds. Like, for instance, Brett comes from from a primetime background, and he, I'm just as intrigued by that as he is by the fact that I come from the theater. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly asking each other questions about it and, and bringing it up. You know, so whereas he is fully aware of where the camera is and what it's doing, I'm just fully aware of him. You know, so I just try to be opposite him in those scenes. So in that way, I feel like I'm kind of learning through osmosis because I trust that he's not going to put us in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I'm, we're having a real, honest conversation, you know? Wow. So it, it, I don't know if that's necessarily the right answer, but it's, it's what I'm talking <laughs> with now, and we're having a great time with it. Have you been a soap fan in your life? You know, they've come in and out of my life. I remember as a little kid when, um, when I would be home for summer vacation, and before I had a car, and I would watch them with my little brother. We would watch Young and the Restless one summer. But I haven't said that. I mean, I haven't bought one in particular, you know, like my whole life. Or when I was a really little kid, I remember my family used to watch All My Children, uh, and that would be on the house when we would stay with her, and all action stopped, and we watched All My Children, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I haven't followed them um, until now. I'm really particularly interested in one of them. <laughs> but at least you have a... At least you have a, a kind of frame of reference of, of how crazy the storylines can get sometimes. Oh, totally. And what I didn't have an understanding is how fast everybody worked. You know, it's, and I didn't have a sense of, 
you know, to me, what I thought about it was just some, like, magical, mystical place where all these really fabulous people live, you know. But then you go to the set, and we're all just, like, taking lunch and, you know, gossiping and shooting the shit. We have to go up and film our scene. It's very different, you know, than the magical world that I thought it was. So what's coming up for Nick? I, I understand that you're going to be mixing up with, with Erica Slezak a little bit. Does that have anything to do with her, with her run for mayor? Um, yeah, actually it does. You know, I don't, I don't know how, how far in depth that I'm allowed to, to go into all that, but, but yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, it's such a, such an incredible person to work with, you know, and she had such a clear, clear point of view. So, um, yeah, my character, um, is soon to be teaching at the high school once school starts. Um, and is also going to be, um, one of the lead people in the Landview Gay and Lesbian Alliance. So, there's a gay and lesbian alliance that's going to come to town and, and do some things as well. So, so it's, I'm excited that it's so topical and, you know, fresh. That's great. But like I said, you know, they're playing it as though it's just a story. It's not, you know, they're not, they're not putting neon lights and, you know, flashing arrows pointing at it. They're just playing it. Yeah. It's really great. It's, it's part of our culture. And it's interesting to see the way not only other characters are responding, to, you know, the way they're writing the other characters to respond to it, as though it's just normal. I mean, we've seen some of that already with, with Christian and Layla reaction to um, Oliver uh, coming out. But but also, you know, working with different actors. Like when I worked with Erica, she said, well, I want to say this. And it was they were very amenable to it. And just to talk to them, you know, offset too, about how excited people are even in our storyline or even in the, the Nick Kyle Fish and all that stuff storyline, how excited they are about it and how much cool. people – want to talk about it, you know, and, you know, talking the other day with um, Christian Vega and, and Tika, they had very clear opinions about what was going on in my and Kyle's scene, and I just thought that's really cool that, you know, here are two other colleagues and, and straight actors that really want this to be portrayed well, too, Absolutely. you know, and, you know, it's, that's not always the case, people being involved in other people's work and storyline. It's really nice. You know, with, with Guiding Light going off the air next week and all my children moving to the West Coast in January, New York City is just going to be down to two soaps soon. And uh, the soaps that have filmed there historically have always used stage actors to fill out their character roles. Do you have a sense of how the stage community in the city is dealing with the changes that are happening, not just in daytime, but in all of television, where camera work is becoming more and more scarce? You know, it's been interesting because for a few years in New York, there were, there were tax credits. So, you know, we had Ugly Betty here which was great for actor, stage actors to get to do roles on Ugly Betty. Um, but, but it is tough, you know, especially, you know, this, this um, Guiding Light and All My Children. I mean, that was staples of, of work for people, and now that Sex in the City is no longer So, you know, I think there is a bit of a scramble, but it's always, it's always evolving, you know, and, and things will always change. So we have some, um, some great stage actors uh, having cameos on, on One Life coming up soon, too, so I'm excited about that. You know, you mentioned Sex and the City. A couple of my friends want to know about your participation in the upcoming sequel, the upcoming film sequel. Uh, is there anything you can reveal about who you're going to be playing, what you're going to be doing? Man, I so wish I even called them to find out because it's, you know, it's so fun. I'm, I'm, it's such an iconic thing, you know. I could be, Absolutely. like, just walking by, changing, you know, quarters in the laundry machine. I'd be thrilled to be in that movie because, you know, we're New Yorkers. I mean, we all, Sex and the City has been part of our fabric for so long. Um, but unfortunately, because the the scenes I'm in are kind of 
pivotal plot point. They don't want to give any details away. And so they've asked me not to say anything and, and you know, keep it hush-hush until the film comes out. But I'm dying to tell somebody. <laughs> because it's going to be fun. You know, I'm like, oh, there's Carrie, there's, there's Miranda. But we, uh, I'm going in, I'm doing a couple of days towards the end of September and then a week in October. Wow. Uh, filming, filming with that. And, uh, oh, it's, it's going to be good, you know, but it would just, it would spill the scenes if I let out what I was doing specifically. <laughs> but it's a pretty sizable part. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. It's just a pretty. It's in a pretty pivotal scene, you know. I got you. So, is is there a particular stage role that you would give your eye teeth to play? You know, I've been pretty lucky. I, I I've been pretty lucky to do some of the ones that I'm just dying to do. You know. Uh, there's some that I would do again. Like I would do Jesus at the drop of, I would do uh, Che and Evita at the drop Shane of Evita. That, that must be an amazing role to play. Yeah. It's who who really, did you play really opposite? Who was, who was Evita? Her name was Karen Lynn Manuel. She was in Rent for a while. She was a Maureen in Rent, and she's on Broadway called The Times They Are Changing. Wow. And she played Sheila in Hair when it was in the park here. Very talented actress. Um, you know, and there's a play I've been wanting to do called The Little Dog Laughs. I'm really looking, you know, I really like to do that uh, Douglas Carter Bean play. Uh, I'd love to do Com- Bobby and Company. I'd, I'd drop everything to do that, you know, before I'm too old. You know, so there, there's still some stuff out there that I'm, I really, really want to do. But uh, right now I'm going to focus on this. And what, do you, what are you enjoying on Broadway right now? What, what's, the, what's the hot ticket? Well, the hot ticket is, is hair, I think. I mean, I saw it and I just, I think the, they do incredible job with it, but there's so many great things that are that are still right. South Pacific uh, is a beautiful beautiful production um, I'm getting to see Next to Normal next week, so I'll let you know all about that I'm excited about that um, and I'm excited about Catch Me If You Can if, it, if it's coming in in the, in the spring, it's an amazing new uh, Mark Shaman, Scott Whitman, Terrence McNally production that Jack O'Brien's directing so yeah Does it have anything to do with the film or no? Yeah, it's based oh, wow. on the it's based on the film, which is based on the book. Uh, it's an autobiographical tale, you know, of Frank Abagnale Jr. And the music's just spectacular, so um, I think it really outdid themselves. So I think it's going to be a big hit. Um, I'm really excited about it. Who's in the cast? Do we know? Um, well, they just did a tryout in Seattle out of town at the Fifth Avenue, and the leads were Norbert Leo Butts, uh, who won the Tony for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, um, and a guy named Aaron Tveit, who's incredibly talented. He's in... Um, Next to normal right now, uh, Tom Wopat from Dukes of Hazard. Oh sure, uh, plays the father. He's incredible. So yeah, I'm getting excited for that. <laughs> I can't how... wait to see Jude Law and Hamlet this fall. That's going to be pretty incredible. <laughs> how often do you go to the theater? Are you are you a theater nut or or not really? Totally, I go as often as I can. Wow. Totally. I've been doing a show off Broadway for the last six months. So I haven't been able to go as much as I like, but literally that's how it's been my day off. You know, I went to go see Mary Stewart. It was incredible. God of Carnage is incredible. Wow. So what's on the horizon for Nicholas Rodriguez? If, if, if Nick does indeed turn out to be a major role, is that something you'd be interested in taking on full-time? You know, the, the way it's going now, it's something that I'm so proud of, and I'm so proud of the direction that they're going with it. Uh, yeah, I'm loving every second of it, and uh, I'm proud to be it. And I feel like I'm growing every day, so I would love to do it. You know, I love to do things that make me continue to grow, not only as an actor or a singer, but as a human being. 
Uh, and I think this is doing that for the time being. So, yeah, I would love to continue that. I'm really excited about doing Sex in the City and, you know, exploring those kind of projects. And I'm trying to put together a, a one-man show, a nightclub act, working with a producer to have that, to go, to be able to go and do, you know, clubs across the country and uh, sit in for a night or, or maybe do it on a cruise ship or that kind of uh, entertaining cabaret entertainment. So uh, I want to get that together uh, this like fall as well. What, what kinds of things do you do you sing? When, when I mean, when you talk about putting together an act, what what kinds of what kinds of material are you attracted toward? Well, you know, I mean, I, my degrees are not for, but I, I really really love the American songbook. You know, I'm influenced by people like Frank Sinatra, Sarah Vaughan, Ella Fitzgerald, Nina Simone. You know, those kind of artists really float my boat. But um, an act, you know, will compare some some American standards. Uh, stuff that people know, some swing tunes, and then, you know, stuff that I've done in my career on stage, you know, stuff from Superstar and, and Tarzan and Hair, stuff that people can relate to, and then um, some pop tunes that people will know, but maybe done the way that I'll do them. You know, the influences like uh, Elton John and Billy Joel, uh, Carol King's an incredible songwriter, Jimmy Webb, you know, just bringing stuff to people in a new light, you know. Absolutely. There's a guy in my chat room right now saying that it would be great for Nick to serenade Kyle on the show. He says, <laughs> says "Don't know if Scott Evans sings, so that's one thing that Nick can have over Oliver." <laughs> oh well, let's you know, let's hope. You know, somebody asked me that in the interview the other day if, if Nick was going to be singing uh, on the show. They haven't asked me yet. I certainly wouldn't be opposed to it. And um, it's so funny because Brett and I were shooting a scene the other day, and he said he just turned to me and started singing that song, um, "Smile." You know, the Charlie Chaplin song. And it started joking. I was like, you better not do that too loud, or they're going to make you do that on the show. <laughs> so, at least she has a good sense of humor. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I've had such a great time talking to you today, and I appreciate you coming by and, and uh, chatting with me for a bit about this, that, and the other. Oh, dude, thank you so much. The next time you make, back, you make it back to Texas, you better look me up. I will be there. You know, let me know how to get in touch with you, and I definitely I certainly will. I definitely will. I'll be there. Uh, hopefully this fall, visiting some friends and family. Wow. So before I let you go, could I get you to do a promo for my show? Absolutely. As long as it includes the words Brandon's Buzz and Nicholas Rodriguez, anything else you say is totally up to you. Okay. And I'm recording now, so anytime you're ready, shoot. Hey, this is Nicholas Rodriguez. You are listening to Brandon's Buzz, and be prepared to laugh and cry your eyes out. You're going to have a good time. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much. You are welcome here anytime. Please come back. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you very much. And please, let's be in touch. Absolutely. All right, Brandon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. The fantastic Nicholas Rodriguez, everybody, on Brandon's Buzz. Brandon's Buzz in the can for September 9th, 2009. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, we're doing two tributes to Guiding Light next week. Uh, I don't have concrete plans on those yet, so please stay tuned to brandonsbuzz.com and blogtalkradio.com slash brandonsbuzz. Uh, the minute I get confirmation on both of those shows, I will put it up. But next week, Guiding Light goes off the air, and we're sending it off into the sunset in high style. Also coming up later this fall on Brandon's Buzz, Jessica Tuck, Susie Boggess, uh, all kinds of great guests. It's going to be a great fall here at Brandon's Buzz, and I'm looking forward to, to putting the show together for you guys, and I appreciate you guys coming along for the ride. As I said at the top, blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz is mission control for Brandon's Buzz. You can listen to the show. You can download old shows. 
You can send me emails. You can leave comments. You can tell me what you like, tell me what you don't like. By all means, let me know what you're thinking about the show and what you would like to see on the show. And what you don't like about the show, tell me everything about the show. Feedback uh, is always welcome at brandonsbuzz.com and at blogtalkradio.com slash brandonsbuzz. At brandonsbuzz.com, my blog, there is a full radio archive. And I updated yesterday, and I'll update it in about – as soon as, as soon as I can get the HTML code for this episode, I'll update it again so that there will be a full, comprehensive radio archive of all 33 episodes uh, of my show. That's at brandonsbuzz.com. Just click on the radio tab at the top of the page. It's blue. That will take you to a page with dates listed with each of my guests. You can click on those dates. That will take you to a page where you can see the great banners that my pal Joanne makes to help me advertise the show and a player which contains the episode that is being advertised. That's at brandonsbuzz.com. I'm also on iTunes. I'm on iTunes, guys. Type in Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box. Scroll down to the podcast section. Click on my logo. From there, you can download individual old shows as podcasts and have them, uh, uh, or you can subscribe to the show and have them download to your library the minute they're uploaded to the music store. So I'm Brandon's Buzz on Twitter. I'm Brandon's Buzz on Facebook. I am all over the Internet. There's no excuse not to be able to find me. Just Google the words Brandon's Buzz, and something will come up that will point you in my direction and uh, help you find me, and I appreciate you finding me, and I hope you continue to find me and continue to listen to Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Brenda Russell, and there is definitely a buzz happening. Brandon's Buzz. I just had the most fun in the world doing Brandon's Buzz. This is Louise Schaefer. It's a fabulous podcast, and it's a great, great way to spend some time. Brandon is the best. Hey, hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you are checking out Brandon's Buzz right now. Hey, everybody, this is Beth Maitland. You probably know me best from my role as Tracy Abbott on The Young and the Restless, and I'm talking to you about Brandon's Buzz. Come on, you got to find him. Hi, this is Gordon Thompson speaking, and I want to tell you that I have appeared on Brandon's Buzz, and I had a great time, and I think you will too, so please, log on. And have a look. Merci à vous tous. Écoutez Brandon Buzz sur Blog Talk Radio. Bonsoir et à très bientôt.